years, and uh, and we love coming here. I want to. I just want to thank everybody for receiving us. Uh, right from the get go, you've been very open, and uh, that's always made it so much easier. And uh, so I really appreciate that. So why don't we pray together? Because uh, we have we have a lot to go through today, and. Uh, a little bit of time to do it. So let's, let's bring ourselves into God's attention because uh, we want his attention to be on us and we want our attention to be on him. This is, this is a conversation between us and the Lord. So there's a lot going on here. Uh, we probably burn double the calories when we listen to a sermon because we got to listen physically. Then we got to listen spiritually then we got to talk spiritually, not physically. And, uh, and then we have to respond. And so there's lots going on for the person speaking and for the people listening. This is a very active time. Um, so now that I've confused everybody, uh, let's just pray. It's, it's, we're just simply going to pray. So Heavenly Father, um, I'm grateful to be here. And I'm grateful to share your word. It's so good just to talk about your word because your word truly is life to us. It's life. And Lord, would you just put us in that position to hear and to respond? And would we be as honest and vulnerable in your presence as we can? Because ultimately... You invite and we respond. That's the, big, that's the big action happening now. You invite and we respond. So Lord, for each person here, the invitation point is a little different. It's a little different. But at that point, in all of our hearts, would we respond out of faith and obedience and gladness. We pray this all in your name. Amen. So LCF, I want to ask us, how are we doing with authority? How are you doing with the authority in your lives? What does our heart do when people have kind of a tear up on us? Do we enjoy that? Do we respond well to that? Our bosses, what if we don't agree with what our bosses say? What if we have to follow somebody's rules and we don't like them? What if something happens in the government that seems to infringe on our feelings of entitlement? How do you feel about speed limits? How do you feel about taxes? These things that are imposed on you because somebody, somebody has the authority to do it. What does our heart say when we have to come under someone's authority? And do we, as mankind, as humankind, I have to say humankind. Can't say mankind. You do. College, 
They make you write it in their essays. You have to write humankind. Do we have a problem with authority? I'll let you answer honestly to yourself. <laughs> but have no fear, because this has been the problem since the very beginning. Humankind has always had a problem with authority. Always. That's been one of the biggest problems with following God. It's because now we have, to, we have to accept an authority that is not of our own. That may lead and guide and direct us in ways that we don't naturally want to go. In the beginning, God said, be fruitful and multiply and take dominion over the earth. Over the gardens and over the animals. God even said to man... You know what? Since all of this is under your care, why don't you go and name all the animals? So even before they had a Latin name, they had a name given by Adam. Now that is some serious authority. God gave man quite a bit of authority. And it just wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. And when the serpent came to man, it questioned the relationship of authority. God is holding back from you. God is keeping you kept, kind of keeping you bundled up. He's oppressing your true power. And that is our heart's cry today. That is our heart's cry today. God is oppressing me. Therefore, I cannot come under his authority. That doesn't sit well with me. And that's always been the case. Because the serpent said, You're not going to die. You're going to become so much more powerful if you decide to go your own way. And that would have been absolute music. What's creaking? See, I'm going to get fiddled with again. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> just do whatever you want. I'm just going to. Okay, one of, one of the big things that came out from the garden was this idea that being under God's authority. Being under God's authority, we would limit ourselves because we would be under tyrannical rule. Okay, let's make our peace with that in our hearts. There is a part of our hearts that says, if I submit myself under God, 
I am submitting myself to a tyrant of a ruler. That's in our hearts. It's in our DNA. It's in our flesh, the Bible says. There is something tyrannical about being under the rule of God and choosing his authority over our own. We're going to lose. We're going to be oppressed. We're going to be stuffed down. Therefore, there's nothing good there for me. That's human nature because if you read after Genesis 2 for about the next thousand pages, it tells you that it's human nature. And yet Jesus came to reveal that the ability for us to receive him as our optimal divine authority is the very greatest thing we can ever achieve in our lifetimes. So, so our heart says, God cannot be trusted. God is not out for my best interests. And my best life isn't under his authority. He will stifle me. And Jesus' whole purpose was to prove that wasn't true. And he came to earth not as a vengeful, judgment-filled, tyrannical, hard-handed, heavy-handed God that the Old Testament often wanted to think he was, an angry father waiting to squash my every passion. And Jesus very purposefully came, not as that at all. And the Bible clearly says, to see me, Jesus said, is to see the Father. And that is just, that is just so far from the concept that so many people had and have about who God is. Let's go to Mark. I just want to look at some passages in the New Testament because the problem with the Pharisees was the problem of everyone in the Old Testament and the problem with us still. Who's in charge? Who's in charge? When I was, a, when I was an unfollower of Jesus, I was not an unbeliever non-believer of Jesus. I was not a non-believer. I was a non-follower. And that's a tricky place to be because the Bible says we have to believe in our hearts that Jesus is who he said he was and then we will be saved. But that's not the whole story. We have to believe and we have to do we have to lay down our authority in our lives and come under his. 
I believed all the things about Jesus that I do now, except one very critical thing was that I had to surrender my desires for how I wanted to live and instead come under his. And when I first got saved, I thought, I'm going to do it even if it's terrible. Because Jesus has revealed himself so powerfully to me, I can't look away. And over time you realize, not only is following his ways what he asks of us, real faith in our heart that changes our heart allows us to surrender to his kingship and authority. But not only is that true, it is the greatest blessing in how we live. Living out his commandments, coming under his authority is the freest, most joy-filled, least regretful way you can possibly live. But the lie is that it's just going to be suffering, it's going to be struggle, it's going to be hardship, it's going to be rejection, it's going to be bread, water, and prayer. And that's all it's going to be. And he might call you to do that. He, he might call you to do that. But my, I am convinced that even if he does ask you to walk a bread and water existence, you will have the greatest level of joy and satisfaction. Because he's never stingy on himself. He might be stingy on some of the bells and whistles in life, but he's never going to be stingy on himself. Okay. Mark 11, 27 to, to 33. This is just a great snapshot of Jesus' ministry. A great snapshot of Jesus' ministry. So a little bit of context. Jesus doing Jesus things. Towards the end of his ministry, he has this time where he goes and he, he raises up quite a fuss in the temple. I mean, it's really no surprise that the Pharisees didn't like him. Because he just knew exactly what button to press all the time. And the button was, you don't want to receive the things of God. You want to receive the things of man. That was the button constantly. So Jesus messes up the temple. Holy anger in action. Think of the indignation he would have felt. Like just the, the greatest offense, knowing what was going on. So he does that. He comes into Jerusalem uh, under high praise, riding the donkey. And the Pharisees wouldn't have liked that either. Because they were the ones to be revered. It was man's establishment that was under attack when Jesus came. Because the Pharisees had a pretty good gig. They had a pretty good deal going. As long as they stayed out of the Romans' way, they had good control over their people. We like control. It's comfortable. So Jesus does his thing in the temple, turns everything over, and then leaves. And 
bravely for him, he comes back. And there's this story, the uh, authorities want to come and they want to ask him, like, where do you get off doing this stuff? Because it's really flying in the face of everything we're trying to accomplish here. We're not working together, Jesus. Mark 11, verse 27. And he came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, so all of the establishment, came to him, and they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority to do them? Bible speak for, who do you think you are? These questions are not much different than the questions we ask today. Think of the past few years. Think of the problems you've had with organized government or laws of the land or structures at work or even your home if there's a power struggle because that's a thing as well. Power struggles in the home. Who gets to be in charge? How do we make decisions? That's, that's a real thing. Think of the question. By what authority are you doing these things? Who do you think you are? Where do you get off deciding what the bar is? Where do you get off making the final call? Where do you get off telling me how I'm going to live my life? We ask these things to God. We ask these things of the church. We ask these things on every structured level around us. We do. We just do. Jesus, in, in, in perfect Jesus way, knows how to answer every question perfectly. I will ask you one question. Answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I do these things. And he kind of gives the answer in the question. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And he's poking at, okay, whose authority was John to go out into the desert and to have droves of people come and be baptized as a repentance of sin in preparation for my coming. Where does he get off doing those things? And through hard-heartedness and an inability to see a higher authority, the Pharisees answered correctly. They answered in the only way they knew how because they weren't willing to go to those other things. That God may have a different authority than ours. And it, 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 it capped them from actually being able to, to answer the question. Because they, they just said, they politically answered the question. And you can't politically answer a spiritual question. As they discussed with one another saying, if we say from heaven... He will say, why then did you not believe in him? So they understand the question, except they don't. Because they're thinking about it in man's authority's 
mindsets. If we say from heaven, he will say, why did you not believe him? But shall we say from man, they were afraid of the people for they all held that John was really a prophet. They the people, not they the leaders. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. Great job. We don't know. Or we're not willing to say. They pleaded the fifth. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Fail, like, like no passing of the test there. No getting the deeper thing. The authorities were not able to look past of the man-made structures that they had. They weren't able to embrace that God may have a different plan than what they had thought of. And this is a hard thing for us. Sometimes God is going to ask us to do things that is not our best plan. Maybe it's timing. Maybe it's location. Maybe it's calling. Maybe it's family life. God is going to ask us to do things that we may not have thought were our best plan. And getting comfortable into that is a really good idea. But they missed the goodness that Jesus had for them in that moment. They missed the reason why he came. Jesus was establishing his kingdom in real time. He was breaking new ground. He was planting new fields in real time. And they had a front row seat. What is God doing in our lives in real time? What is he establishing in real time that he has invited us to come and see and be a part of? But to really embrace what God is doing in your day, we have to be able to see that he's not necessarily doing things the way we think he should. He's not following our agendas. But we, we have each, it doesn't matter what age we are today, we each have been invited to see God break new ground in our lives. In family, in work relationships, in LCF, God is doing new things every day. And we're invited to participate in those. But are we willing to see his agenda, the kingdom agenda? Are we willing to go by his authority of what he says is important in this day and age? And this is important even as, as we look at, um, I, I just loved the prayer list that you guys talked about um, during the break, the prayer list for your prayer time. And like, those are pillars. What do we do with the kids? That's a pillar. What do we do with the youth? That's a pillar. How do we get more people in LCF worshiping God? That's a pillar. How do we um, influence for God our community? That's a pillar. How do we find church leadership? That's a pillar. These are core things that you're, you're praying about big things. Big things. 
And if I can, if I can encourage you in, in one thing with that meeting, it's, it's embrace God's authority on these questions. And try and come in with as much of an open mind as possible that God's best for you may not be what we have already sketched out as the next six months or two years. God's plans will not fail and they will be the very best plans for all of us. So having that open mind, God, would you just, would you scratch out the things that I already think you should be doing? And if he confirms, confirms something, that's great. He, maybe he'd already spoken to you or you were already on the right track. But if it's something new, it's going to be his very best for you. So, just do what you want with that. But let's go to Luke, Luke verse 7. <clears throat> Luke verse 7, there's this story of the centurion. And the centurion was not a Christian. He was not a Jew. And in many ways, he was an enemy of the Jewish people. He was a Roman guard because the Roman people had uh, control over Jerusalem. And he was a guard in charge of keeping everybody submissive. This is a good little heart check. When I said submissive, if your toes curled, that might be a sign. Right? That must be a sign. Right? Right? If somebody says, I need you to submit to my decision. Hmm? All right. That might, that, that might give a little radar. Oh, okay. So maybe I do have a little bit of a thing of this who's in charge going on. So this centurion has a sick uh, slave, a slave that is very well revered by his master, a slave that this centurion doesn't want to lose. But this centurion has learned that he's learned a little bit of authority through his sinner lifestyle. He's learned through being in the army that there's a thing called authority. And authority is very strong. And by God's grace, this allowed him to see Jesus accurately. So much so that Jesus marvels at the man. And if Jesus marvels at you, you're done good. Okay? Jesus says, because he says, don't even come to my house, just say the word. And I know that my servant's going to be healed. I'm not worthy for you to come. You just need to just sign off on it. I don't even need to see you. I don't need to have you at my home. I don't need to feed you supper. There doesn't have to be photo ops with all the religious leaders. None of that needs to happen. You just need to say yes. And this, this person I care about so much will be healed. And this is what Jesus says. I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And it's interesting that 
Jesus was already saying, the Gentiles, they're going to get this. Because there's other stories in the Bible, <clears throat> there's other stories in the Bible where, where Jesus shows these examples of Gentile people having a greater faith than the people of God. And they're in there very strategically. And Jesus says, this guy gets it. This guy gets it. He gets that authority is a thing and my authority is the head. And Jesus heals this, this servant from far away. Because this, this centurion doubles down and he says, because Jesus, Jesus agrees to come and the centurion says, okay, they're getting close. That's awesome. Go stop. They don't even need to come any closer. I don't, I'm not even worthy for them to be in my home. And Jesus heals this, this man. And, he's just, and it's just another example that read the Gospels. Jesus operating in top authority is not, it's anything but tyrannical. It's anything but a buzzkill. It's anything but oppressive. But there's the lie in our heart. That says submitting to somebody else's authority is going to burn me. It's this lie in our heart. But, but the gospels are full of Jesus saying, okay, yeah, I, I get the human heart. I get it. I made it. I, I, I know how it works. And I know the, the, the opposition there is to us coming under somebody else's leadership. But Jesus came to prove that my leadership is the very best for my people. There's a story of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is already in prison. He's already in prison at the time. And this is in Mark chapter 2. So John the Baptist is already in prison because he's questioning the authority of the king. And you don't do that. And... That's a perfect example right there of John saying, actually, God's authority says that what you're doing, O great authority of the land, is wrong. And I have to follow God's authority. But he's in prison at the time, and he sends some of his disciples, and they say, Jesus, you're not overthrowing the government. You're not calling for holy war on the Romans. You're not freeing us from the oppressive government that we're under. So you're not actually looking like the Messiah that we were thinking. But Jesus' answer to him is very helpful. It's very helpful to us because we ask these same questions. Jesus, you're not looking like the person that I thought that I was coming under. You're not doing the things in my life that my authority should be doing. You're not coming into line with my expectations. And expectations, that's a, that's a sneaky one. That's a sneaky one. That's a, that's a sneaky get out of jail free. So let's just talk a little bit about a heart. 
when our expectations are not met, we're in danger. We're in big danger. Because we start to question everything. Because something, one thing that we really like is when our expectations tell us the future. I wanted it, therefore it should happen. I prayed for it, there it's fact. I desired or had a dream for it, therefore this is my reality. And I'm, I'm just telling you guys, when our expectations are not met, we're in danger. And this is what Jesus says in the response of, why don't you look the way we thought you would? Have we missed that you're actually who we thought you were? And Jesus says to John's disciples, look around and see the things that I'm doing. Look at the signs that only I can accomplish. Look at how the people are healed. Look at how the demons are cast out. Look at how I am changing the things around me. Everything I do declares my authority is from God. Because only God can be doing these things. There's the story of the paralyzed man where they take the roof off and they wheel him down into the middle of the room where Jesus is having this huge meeting. And it's the faith of the friends saying, if we could just get him in the room, Jesus is going to take care of him. And what does Jesus start by saying? The man can't walk. The man can't move. Like, think about if this was yourself. You're wanting healing to, to be able to move properly. And, this, and being paralyzed would be one of the greatest challenges to overcome in a person's life. And Jesus looks at him and he says, your sins are forgiven. Talk about expectations, right? It's like, okay, well, I still can't walk. So my sins are forgiven, that's great, but I still can't walk. I was kind of hoping to walk out of here. I would love to jump for joy at the idea that my sins have been forgiven. And Jesus is alluding to the greater things still. I have come to heal my people in a way that nobody else could. No doctors, no forces on earth can accomplish the things that I'm fighting for. And so Jesus says, okay, I get it. You need some proof. And so he heals this man, but he heals him to declare all that I've said that I can do, I'm able to do. And just another little encouragement. When we see signs and wonders, we're never to just stop at the sign and wonder. Because that's a thing. People want to see God's power and displayed. But he always, he always spent his power for us to believe a greater measure in who he says he is and what he's able to do. It's never just that we would marvel at this impossible thing. So let's look real quick at how we can embrace God's authority in our own life. And I want to give us 
just a few things that we can walk out today to embrace God's authority in our life. As with the Bible and a Sunday school answer, it all begins with faith. Jesus, yes, that's the better. But it all begins with faith. Because we can read the Bible, we can sing the songs, we can pray the, pray the prayers, but if we don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is, if we don't believe that there's somebody there at the other end of our prayers, if we don't believe that the thing that we're singing to is real and active and alive and personable, we're going to miss it. So there is an aspect of faith. Because without faith, we will be just like the Pharisees, asking empty investigative questions that don't come up with any answers. Empty investigative questions that don't come up with any answers. Because faith, we need to receive Jesus for who he says he is. We need to take him at his word. His goodness, his faithfulness. The Bible says in Psalm 34, taste and see that God is good. Experience him for yourself. Because God wants us to choose the better option. The better option, not simply the option that is right. When I was an early believer, I, I believed that God saved me, and so I have to do this. God saved me, so I have to lay all these things down. I owe him. But it's our enjoyment of Jesus. It's our understanding that he's invited us into the better thing. God wants us to choose him. We need to embrace God's works for ourselves. And what this means is it's the power of testimony. It's the power of Christian biographies, of tales from the mission field. As we see around us the power that God is doing. Sometimes God is going to do a powerful work in your life. Sometimes he's going to do a powerful work in somebody else's. But both of those are meant to bolster your faith. And to encourage you to, and to empower you to keep going. To keep believing. God is who he says he is. God is good. God is faithful. But we need to embrace this. This is what baptism is. Baptism is, is it's this public testifying that God has done the impossible in my life. And by his power, I'm coming under his authority. It's this very public declaration of, I'm laying my authority down in the waters. And I'm coming under Jesus' in my life. I'm going to live the way he wants me to. It's very powerful. We need to expose and dispose of our own self-reliance. Self-reliance is the king that keeps us from the freedom that Jesus has in his authority. And this is a very deliberate act. The things that we do well the things that we take pride in, the things that, that are our identity can be the very thing that keep us from embracing God's rule in our life. Because they make us feel strong, 
safe, and secure. They just do. Your talents and abilities, your safeguards, the things you do in life that make you feel protected and empowered can be in direct defiance to God's authority in your life. And you can't have both. You can't serve two masters. The Bible is talking about God and money when he says you can't serve two masters. And money is one of the greatest self-reliance tools we have. If I have money, I don't need God. And if we don't need God, then we're not under his authority. And so we need to actively pursue those things in our life that make us feel secure. It's great news for today, right? Great news. We have to actively pursue those things that make us feel secure in life. Because we won't know that freedom. We won't know that, that exhilaration of God coming through when I was hitting that brick wall. God came through for me. God made a way. So powerful. We have to take chances. This is kind of falls in line with laying down our, the, the things that we're strong about. We have to take chances. We have to give God opportunities to show himself in our life. In 1 Kings 19, it's the story of Elijah. Elijah runs from Ahab and Jezebel because he just defeated all the prophets of Baal. And God gives him a huge miracle there, and Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you for that. And at once he's terrified and he runs into the wilderness. And God invites him into this conversation where he lays out the rest of Elijah's life. But he doesn't come in the storm, not the lightning, not the thunder, not these big things. He comes in the silence because we need to be listening for God's direction. Let me tell you a real truth. One of the hardest things that we can do in our life is to get quiet before the Lord. It's really hard. Whether it's the noise around us, the noise inside us, all of the things we bring to the table, our own expectations, our own authority, it is hard to get quiet in front of the Lord. It's hard. It's not just sitting there. There's a lot going on. But those are the places that God is going to invite you into the things that he has planned that we can't make up, we can't conjure up, we definitely can't achieve. Some of them will be very countercultural. Some of them will fly in the face of your family or your workplace or even your church. They're going to fly in the face of tradition. It's going to take huge leaps of faith because they're going to be big chances. But God wants to meet us as we deliberately put ourselves in that place to say, God, I don't, I don't just want to follow the things that are good in my own eyes. I want the better thing. I want the long-lasting, everlasting thing. I want the thing that's really going to save me. The thing that I've really been made for. But to do that, we have to listen in ways that aren't easy. It's not easy to be quiet and to allow him to speak. 
He speaks quietly to us sometimes because I think he wants our full attention. He wants our full attention. We as adults think the louder we talk, the more attention we'll have. And that is not my parenting tip for the morning, right? Even though it is a good technique, I'm just kidding. It's not a good technique. But I think God speaks so quietly to us because he wants our full attention. And just how I said, you get to be present to God doing a real work, a new work in your life every day. He wants to invite you into that plan. But he's not going to shout it. It's going to take faith. We're going to have to embrace it. We're going to have to let go of our own expectations and desires. And we're going to have to listen intently. Why don't we stand and pray as the band comes up. And I want to pray for us that God would give us the ears to hear, the eyes to see, and the courage to step out in faith in the ways that he calls us. And I invite us to pray with me as as you would like today. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your way is the greatest. As we look in the story of Jesus, we see very clearly you came to do good. But you're not going to share your rule and authority with somebody else. You're not going to do that. And I thank you for that because... I don't want my own expectations to be in the way. I don't want my own way to get in the way. And I know that's the battle in my life daily. And that's the battle in our lives. Lord, would you help us today to come one step closer to you having a majority government in our life. Every seat filled. No opposition. The opposition is in ourselves. Would you give us eyes to see you, ears to hear, and courage and confidence and faith to move forward with whatever you're asking us to do. Big or small, we are seeing your kingdom move forward day by day in our lives. Make us willing participants, Lord. Would you win, again, just every seed in our heart and our mind at the expense of all others.